0: morning welcome to chucked i'm charles braxton i'm with austin charles this is the last episode of season two of chuck i realize your summers will be empty without weekly infusions of chuck wisdom but we were going to take a break because we're going to be gone a lot and then pick back up in the fall and we'll have a lot to talk about with the browns uh probably going undefeated with all the improvements they've made and um That'll just be a lot to talk about. So, mm-hmm. And then LeBron re-signing with the Cavs, I'm sure will happen. Hope against all hope. Hopefully, right? Hopefully. Uh, no, but we're still in a little bit of a denial about the Cavs, Oz. Yeah, we are. I was a man of my word.
1: I didn't watch any um, – well, I watched a little bit of the, th- the first half of the th- Game 3. But other than that, I um, uh, was so sick after Game 1 and the way that ended – uh, was sick for, mostly sick for LeBron, more than anything, I think. Um, uh, not just the series or that this year, but um, I didn't watch any other games in that series and um, just moved on. I uh, um, Just ready for summer and ready for um, football season and Browns football, Ohio State football, and mm-hmm. um, not okay. really sure of what comes of that. Um, the team is loaded with talent, um, maybe even more than other years past, um, especially wide receiver. Does, it seems like it doesn't even matter who the quarterback will be, Martell or Haskins? Um, but uh, so yeah, just I was I, I was I was ready in January to move on from the Cavs season, honestly, and um, so it kind of felt like a relief, you know. Um, so it's when frust- we lost frustrating
0: that, team to watch, yeah, when
1: we lost first- that game one, I was just, um, just sick because if had we won that, it redeemed the whole season, and it could have been at least made the finals interesting, if not mm-hmm. done something um but having lost that it just made all the hours spent watching that team uh all the more meaningless so i just trades don't look on. very good no, no no um i don't i don't i don't expect him to to re-sign i don't i don't
0: i don't see why um, for a lot of reasons you only. know i i um uh, there's no team that it makes total sense to go to to me Mm-mm. that's the only thing is it's just it doesn't make sense for him to go to philadelphia to me, they're still not developed, and those young players won't develop if he's there. Mm-hmm. He, he, It's. I think he's communicated he doesn't really like the city of Houston, and they have no cap space. Mm-hmm. Los Angeles is a worse team than the Cavs. Um, so it would have to be he and Paul George joined together. And I just, man, at what point are you the one that is being asked, you stop being the one asking someone to have to beg to go to the prom mm-hmm. and you be the one that people come to your dance. I, I just yeah. you know, I don't know.
1: I, I think you know, I think there's a there would be almost a <clears throat> unwillingness on Philly's part, um, as is what you're saying. I think they would have to overhaul a little bit. They would have to switch from being a young building team to a let's trade away some of that youth would. to, to would. be now and get some some older guys in. I think the yeah. the best team for him to go to, if he's going to go to a team, would be Boston. I think mm-hmm. that would be And I think he is uh, (laughs) loving this. He's expressed more um, bitterness towards the city of Boston than even Houston, you know, throughout his career. And even recently that he just, um, I mean, and he knows that's, that's has been his rival throughout his career more so. And, um, but I think that would be the best team for him to go to um, other than maybe San Antonio. I don't know. Um, Popovich and Stevens being the reasons, you know, Boston or, or San Antonio, but um
0: I agree, yeah. and I and I you know obviously Kawhi Leonard wants out of Hughes, or excuse me San Antonio, mm-hmm. so that would be a, a possibility. It'd be interesting what they do with the eighth pick. Yeah, I think we could get insight into LeBron's decision making process based on what happens between now and the draft mm-hmm. with the eighth pick.
1: And Gilbert um, came out and said the Cavs owner that he sees himself building a championship team one day without LeBron. Yeah. And,
0: that's you know. This is the same like owner that. who said after LeBron left the first time that we will win a championship before he does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How'd that work out? Yeah.
1: Didn't work right. out too well. So I, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I don't. I uh I I hope he. I hope he does some fun. You know.
0: Hey, retire. <laughs> <laughs> Just retire. I would, I would like to see. I would like to see. And I, I guess there are NBA rules. That you can't be an owner and a player both. Mm-hmm. But if there could be a lifetime contract, so you, you know you will have an ownership stake. I say, you, you'll get made majority ownership when you mm-hmm. retire. Something like that work out. Mm-hmm. Like Michael Michael Jordan should have never gone to Washington. That should yeah. never have happened.
1: Mm-hmm. I, that, that's you a know? good
0: point. I don't. I don't want LeBron to
1: have forgetful years. You know. Where where we just we don't even consider Jordan's last two years in the league. Yeah. You know, we just yeah. and that's unfortunate. You know, it, it does tarnish a little bit of the legacy and um and yeah, so I hope um it's it'll be exciting in the least. The NBA Twitter in the summer, um NBA free agency, it's it's a blast. So um they keep the fun going all year
0: round. So a lot's you know. going on. We uh we uh right now are Lots going on around here about leadership development. A lot going on, getting ready to launch the Players Box ministry to parents and children and coaches in the fall. There's a lot. There's just a lot going on. So we will, we will uh, take a break in the summer. Thursday, I'm starting a new series at CESO on in Austin Landing on Perfectionism versus Excellence, and I finished that up this morning. And I'm really looking forward to that. Because it's such a, uh, it's it, a lot of people, especially in this culture right here, struggle with perfectionism. And uh, so I'm doing that. So I've, I've, I know I've got a lot going on. Uh, what's in your head today? What what? Uh, what are we going to talk about? We'll how, do we, how do we close we, out the season strong? Yeah. Stronger than the calves.
1: <laughs> we, uh, last year, we, t- we talked about before we went on break, um, one of the most... Uh, Important parts of our summers always have been, especially yours, uh, summer reading, and um, we always have a some sort of plan put together for you know personal plan of um, things lined up we're excited about or want to learn about. Um, so, in um, discussing what what's what's on your list for yeah. summer material, okay.
0: So a couple things for me that are critical, uh, as I said, leading into the fall which really starts in August for us where we will do a series at our church called the prelead the questions you need to ask before leading and uh, this will be a, a challenge to get people to see themselves as being an influencer and to take that mantle responsibility so um, I'm rereading building a Discipling culture by Mike Breen um, you know because we will heavily, Lean into tools, the five tools of the triangle, the semicircle, the learning circle, the invitation challenge matrix, and the and the leadership development square. Uh, so I, I'm rereading that again. I'm finishing up Presence by Amy Cuddy, which I love. Uh, it's just, I love reading that kind of stuff. I talked last week on, I was with Ryan Hawk on the Learning Leader Show live at Brixie and Meyer, and we talked about that the the idea of embracing your story is to, is how to maximize your full impact and your influence. But right now, because I'm starting that series, and it's just something that I've always struggled with, and I'm, that makes me really normal is perfectionism. Uh, I'm reading a couple books right now. I'll call it, one is I'm rereading Brené Brown's The Gifts of Imperfection, and um, and then the the, another one by a guy named Stephen Guy's How to Be an Imperfectionist. And it's pretty good stuff. It's really good stuff. This summer, I'm going to read Endure by Alex Hutchinson, Mind, Body, and the, the, um, the Elastic Limits of Human Endurance and Performance, which is fascinating. I know you and I had read, uh, I think you read the Ultramarathon Man the, didn't you Finding read Ultra? Finding Ultra, yeah. I didn't read it, but I do follow a lot of his videos and, yeah. and follow Rich, rich Roll. Is that who you're th- talking about, Rich Roll? Uh, no, I'm talking about um, not Rich Roll. You know what? I take that back. Maybe it was Rich Roll who said, when you want to quit, your body is at 60% of what it's capable of. It's your brain that wants to quit. It's not your body. Hmm. So that just always fascinates me. I've never read Michael Csikszentmihalyi's uh, book, Flow, about uh, the psychology of optimal experience. I'm going to read that. I'm going to read Daniel Pink's When, The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. And I'm just finishing uh, about halfway through Robert J. Anderson and William Adams' book, Mastering Leadership, an Integrated Framework for Breakthrough Performance, extraordinary results so those are the ones that are lining up right now for um the summer and then you know i'll add some good biographies and and uh any new ones any new biographies mm-hmm. no, I, I don't have anything lined up i'm i'm you know kind of my nighttime reading is nt Wright's new biography on paul which is so good it's so well done um and you know I like to throw in, especially on the beach, some fun fiction. Any Benchley? I'll re- I'll read Jaws again this summer. <laughs> Cause I always read it on the beach. Last summer I started a new tradition of watching it on my iPad on the beach, which I'd never done before. Mm-hmm. That was fun. We, mm-hmm. I think we sent out a, um, we sent out a missive about that. That was pretty pretty cool. <laughs> uh, I think I posted it on Instagram. It was fun to watch the Jaws on the beach, but. uh I'll, I'll reread, like every summer I'll just, I'll sit down and I'll reread Jaws on the beach. It's just so fun to do that. But this, this is a big week. Do you know that? This is a big week. June 16th, 1978 was the premiere of Jaws 2. Hmm. I was... Uh, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the, the water. water. One of the I great taglines in movie history. <laughs> um, an okay sequel. Until uh-huh. Rocky 2 came along, it was the top uh, grossing sequel of all time. Hmm. But that was just because of Jaws. Mm-hmm. Um, you got me started on this. the 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 whole idea of the kids in Amity and their sailboats getting attacked by shark it worked okay. The original concept that John Hancock had that would be a dark, that Jaws two would be a dark look at the post nineteen seventy five Amity Amity and the economic effect of that. Mm. Uh, oh, was such a good idea. That would have been dark and gritty. It Would have kind of taken the, the dark and uh, the grittiness of the first one, and it would have taken it a little bit darker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he got cool. fired because he didn't get along well with the David Brown and Richard Zanuck. But I'm gonna reread that. I have not read Jaws Two, the book that was written by Howard Sackler. He was the original screenwriter for Jaws Two. It was written by him in '78. It's a really, it's a really good, it's a really good, uh, it's better than the movie. Mm. And uh that is this Saturday I told I told your mom that I said, in honor of Jaws two being released on June sixteenth, Saturday night, please stay awake as we watch Jaws two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so uh, how do yeah. you how do you um how do you go about picking your your reading material over the summer? Has it changed from your, you you know when you when you were younger, did you read out of more necessity what you felt like you needed to read to catch up on that extended that you know maximize this open time you had and to catching up on stuff or has it always been more um, has it as you have grow, grown older? has it been more? you know, entertainment reading? Well, it's less defensive,
0: or as used to, I thought, oh, now i got the series coming up in the fall, I've got to read this. And as I said, there's some of that. There's some reading I'm doing on leadership because we are developing a strategy of leadership development. Mm -hmm. So mastering leadership, for example. But then there are some, like Daniel Pink's win, that will just educate me, and it's offensive. I don't have any plan with that. So it's a mixture of both. Used to, uh, I, you know, I say that hasn't changed really that much. I had so many great summer breaks where I remember, you know, it was so formative in our church was in 1997, I think it was, when I read Pour Your Heart Into It by uh, the, um, the, the CEO of Starbucks. And how he built that franchise. And so many principles of creating a place that people want to go to were based on that book. And that was read. We were in North Carolina. We we vacationed in North Carolina. It was before we started going to Hilton Head. And that was very formative. You know, I just read it because I wanted to be in inside the mind of someone who developed that experiential economy product. Mm-hmm. Which the church really is it's in the experience business, our commodity is grace, and uh so man, that was so formative i i mean i still i still have it, I still have it on my desk, you know, pour your heart into it, hmm. and um so it hasn't really changed that much i still i uh, read a few fun fiction uh I'm a little dry on that right now um um there's just there hasn't been very much good fiction coming out. I'd like to just read some new stuff. Mm-hmm. And then if I have to, I'll go back to some classical stuff that I've read before. But um, no, it hasn't changed too much. It's so valuable. It, it's such a been for me. It's been such a key to my longevity to be able to stop and reboot, recommit, mm-hmm. get refreshed. Do you
1: find reading such stimulating things like that can be? Maybe you're not intentionally consuming to um, apply to work, but. Since it's so stimulating that it simulates the thought of, of the, the work of ministry, does that pull you back yeah, into Yeah,
0: it does. So, when I, my first week, and you're, that's a great question because you know the answer to it, is my first week or so when I'm away is no work-related stuff. None. I just need to decompress. You know, ministry is such a 24-7 character profession. That the challenge of it is 168 hours a week you're just you're on in many ways um, probably more than ever that's true because uh, there's so much scrutiny now and so I need to decompress everybody does I, but I, I definitely do I need to decompress and get away and I'll, like that first week is when I'll probably read Jaws'll um, I think Steve Alton has a new Meg book in the Meg series coming out the movie comes out August 10th. Uh, which is about the uh, megalodon shark. And uh you know I always take I've got a, a score of shark books and marine biology books. I'll take I'll I'll have one of those that I'll be rereading. It's just totally sitting on the beach getting disengaged. It takes me about a week to really decompress. And then the last uh the next few weeks after that's when I'll start reading stuff that yeah it does get me excited and it gets me thinking along those lines again and mm-hmm. um, my my need for disengagement is so great that in the scripture reading I don't read any New Testament basically the whole summer because I just the New Testament has too many references to church in it. <laughs> <laughs> so I just need to disengage from that and mm-hmm. and uh yeah. So mm. that's good. That's
1: good. Well uh yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to get to break and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see where the new season of Chuck goes with, um, football and, you us know, a whole new fresh of topics to think about yeah. and talk about. What and, are you going to read? So what's, what's
0: your, do you have anything that's top um, of mind on reading list right now? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm struggling with that. I don't,
1: I don't know what to take. It seems like, uh, I find myself in front of the bookshelf each day, um, wondering what to want to bring. Um, I don't know if I if I want to Have you ever to, read Jaws? I have not read <laughs> <laughs> ever read Jaws. No, I heard it's a good book though. Um, it's it's uh yeah. Yeah. Um no, I, I that's uh part of my um, dilemma is I don't know uh, if I want to bring more literature and fiction and um or stuff I um and trying to seem like swimming upstream with. Um, so yeah, you know, one side of my list is, um, Fitzgerald, um, Dostoevsky, um, what else? Uh, you know, some fun modern literature, um, slightly deeper than Benchley <laughs> Richard Rousseau's "Everybody's Fool, Nobody's Fool." I've I've had that for a while. And I've heard that's good. Um, Your mom loved I, him. I it just yeah. it,
0: I just it took me a long time to get into him.
1: I I usually prefer her book recommendations over a lot of people's, um, and I, I've always enjoyed them. Um, like the Goldfinch, you know, something like that. The fun, fun, um, fun literature and. Um, there's, there's a few more, you know, there's, um, there's usually some kind of book of essays of Hemingway I've never read or, um, just, yeah, I, I've, i always loved a book of essays and, um, but there's, uh, what else? Um, well, yeah, there's a little, there's a little, there, but then, um, I just bought Francis Schaeffer's Collected Works, five volume series. Um, I have N.T. Wright's. Uh, paul biography on my on my in my library That's there rich um there's a lot in there as a biography on schaefer and lewis c.s lewis that i would like to read um so i i don't know what uh, what i'm gonna bring i'm still trying to figure it out but um you know i know i'd have a probably a, a better time if i brought um you know fitzgerald's a couple fitzgerald novels and um some some a balance of classic literature and, um, and modern literature. I love reading what, uh, um, the new language, um, the new writers, what it sounds like is, it's always, you know, there's, there's a greater width to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a new book called, uh, Nicotine that I was just, uh, referred to by, uh, um, A.J. Bryson, uh, who is, uh, sometimes listens to this, but, uh, but yeah, he, he, he's he's. We always talk books every time we're together, and and writers, and um, so yeah, there's there's a lot out there, and, I, and I, I'm I'm still up in the. I don't know what. Um, I feel like there's a lot of shooting in my head. Things I should read. I should I should read um, classic literature to know where it comes from. I should know. I should or no. I should bring modern contemporary literature to know where it's going. I should not read any of that. It's a waste of time. I should be reading, um, you know, N. T. Wright's. Um, collected works for four volume, and, you know, so they, I don't know, i still have a week or so to figure it out, mm-hmm. and um, yeah.
0: Well, that's a, it is a dilemma constantly, I have so many, you know, there's so many books to read, not enough time to read them, mm-hmm. that's partly to me what heaven will be, is an infinite time to read all the books that I wanted to read. Mm-hmm. One of the things I'm working through right now is the top 100 world, books on World War II ever written, I got this list, hmm. number one is The Book Thief, which I've read, well, yeah.
1: It's really good. Is it top one hundred fiction on World War II? Uh, it's or? not
0: fiction. It's not just fiction. It's just the top books ever. Number nine is Eli V. Sells' Night, which is amazing that that's number nine. But um, I've never read The Diary of a Young Girl by Anne Frank, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read that this summer. But part of what got me onto this was All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr. The I think you read. Yeah, it's crazy, it crazy good. Crazy good. And that is number uh, 11. Hmm. But there are some classics on this. I've never read The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Um, I've never read The Hiding Place, the story of Corrie Tin Boom. I've read Dresden, Tuesday, 13th, February 1945, because we were in Dresden. So there's some really, really good reminders in that. Of, oh, yeah, that's right. I, <clears throat> You know, I've never read Sophie's Choice. I saw the movie, but I've never read Sophie's Choice. Hmm. Um and then I got the 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 movie that came out about Churchill this year uh, that was somewhat from the perspective of his uh his secretary she wrote a book and I just got that book and uh it's her take on Churchill. He was such an eccentric character. Such a complicated character. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there's uh, there's too much the Nightingale was another one. Kristen Hanna was phenomenal, which, oh, okay. by the way, Mom and I finished in the spring, The Great Un, uh, the Great Alone, which is her new book on Africa, or uh, excuse me, Africa, Alaska, family living in Alaska to try mm. to get away from their problems. And um, that doesn't happen. They don't get away from their problems because wherever you go, you're still there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyhow, a lot of books to read, not enough time to read them. How last Saturday night you were ordained into Christian ministry. As we talked about uh, this week, you know, uh, one thing I can say with absolute confidence is that I never did one thing to try to encourage you to do that, as you will as you will state. <laughs> um, it was not something that we ever said to you and Jordan, that uh, you ought to think about going into the family business, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, that was never the case, but... Well, there's not much money in it. <laughs> There's, n- <laughs> it's deferred payment. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's stored up for you, a treasure That's right. that can either ru- rust nor fade. Uh, what are your thoughts this week? Is closing out Chuck's season, but mm. also that is a big deal. That's my ordination is oftentimes what's kept me in the game of. The ardor of ministry is is just, I made a commitment, I made a covenant. And that does not mean that you can't ever change career. It doesn't mean that. Yeah. But it certainly <clears throat> is similar to a, a marriage in that the wedding is key because it's not about the paper, it's about the promise, mm-hmm. right? The paper doesn't prove anything. So in light of your summer now and rebooting and the shift that you've made to you, you are all in now, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least for the time being. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's
1: uh, one of the main reasons why you, um, why one does it. I think why I did it at least um, was the the promise of it and the covenant of it um, of ministry and um, the commission to make disciples and to. Spread the gospel and all that. I I think the the faithfulness side of it to ministry, um, to ministry in a certain place to certain people as well, is something that it's um, doesn't come easy. But it's um, you know I don't I don't um, I don't have a lot of respect for people that that don't um, that kind of plant roots and then move on or or kind of fickle like that. Um, I've never. I've never had much respect for chasing your dreams. I think that's a really cowardice life, or it's, it masquerades as it's courage. Not a cow. It's not coward. It's just it's just a not all chase dream chasing is. You know, I don't mean. I just mean moving on, going, j- doing something. I don't know. It's, it's a. That's whatever. But I think it's it's a lot. That's a lot more courage to um, to to plant your roots and. Um, it does. Maybe, you have to face yourself. Maybe that's because it, the, all the. People I admire and respect are people that have done that for um decades and um and I think I've said it you know before you know it's it's a it's a it's a path that planting roots keeps me in um being faithful to one thing it keeps me um it's a little more of a guardrail to keep humility for me i think um, mm. because you know you're you know you're in the place that um that watched you grow up you know Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, so I just don't have much respect for people that just kind of bounce around and move around and uh, I don't really have you know I probably should develop more of a a better feeling for it but I I don't Um, so that's one thing um, is how does does your summer change
0: now does it it change how you look at going away on a vacation and and then you come back and uh... I haven't I haven't put it to
1: that I think I've I've you know, I've been trying to prepare for a while for it, and I've tried to work pretty hard to um, to uh, really justify being ordained. And um, so, I think you know, it's just a, I know I've been in a season of preparation for the last six months and, and a season how, of quietness. And yeah,
0: how are you doing with? I told you when you started when you started pursuing a ministry, a leadership position, a spiritual leadership position in terms of, you know, being in a church and such. And I said, well, it's a lot less costly and just as effective that you memorize the New Testament. It is every bit as important as getting a Bible college degree, if not more. When we think about the authority, the sense of Jesus amazed him because he spoke with authority. The reason he did that is he had a full grasp of the law but he made an application to their lives they'd never heard before. So they listened to him with bated breath because he was unveiling new mysteries and new insights into that which they already knew. Mm -hmm. And I said to you, if you want to have a sense of intrinsic credibility, memorize the New Testament. It's a lot cheaper than trying to go get a a theology degree. It'll save you a hundred grand. And how are you doing on that? How are you doing on feeling like, man, my 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 personal confidence in being a handler of the word is growing.
1: Yeah, I, that's my favorite part about ministry. I think um, the hardest part about ministry to me is that I feel like I I would I, I miss my real calling in life and what I should, really should be doing is locked away in some library, being a professor and keeping an arm's distance from anybody and everybody. And, you know, get to teach, but not have a responsibility to people. We get to lead people to something, but not have a responsibility, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's that's a really, it's not a very fruitful life. Um, so that, that's the most exciting part of it all for me. I think that everything else would be to supplement getting to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I memorized the genealogy pretty quick, Matthew 1. Um, and, so you
0: started literally with Matthew one,
1: yeah, and not going all the way through, but I just, um, you know, repetition, reps like anything else, like a like a jump shot, like a backhand, and um, just reading it over and over and over again, the New Testament, and with the commentary, Barclay's commentary next to it to get um, context, um, and uh, and yeah, so that's what I've been doing. You know, it's been thrown around to go seminary in the last year or so, and I've thought about it and contemplated it, all that, the pros and cons of it, and. Um but instead um you know i know I'm, I'm i can
0: i trust myself to to study and to read what I need to if you study and if you have people holding you accountable, and then if you have to put that into play in in front of a live audience, so mm-hmm. to speak uh, yeah i I agree I don't think you need it yeah, I mean you know too sure many, two three years now. ago
1: i had you know i talked to a to a to a mother about the problem of pain. Um, whose son was going to die of muscular dystrophy before uh, his teen years. So that's a lot different than writing a dissertation on the Ascension of Mary. You know, it mm-hmm. teaches you a little bit more, mm-hmm. and it's and, yeah, and, it, and it's and it's more rewarding. And so, yeah. Um, so yeah, but you know, but I so right now I'm you know I'm, right now I'm reading a, a it's about a 700 page book on the foundations of. Um, the philosophical worldview from um, starting with the setential, the reference last week, the satential and propositional logic, the nine rules of the modus ponen. So basically of just how to how to di- have a discussion, you know, mm-hmm. and how to, mm-hmm. and then going into inductive and deductive reasoning and um, rationality and um, epistemology. And so um, to me, it's, it's very for- important to have those foundations of, um, and the confidence that comes from it of just, um, not just knowing information and facts, but to have, um, and that's the wielding side of it, of getting the, getting scripture and, and having, um, you know, uh, being a maestro of scripture, but having the, the, the vehicle that is, um, to, to put that out there with, um, with sentential logic and rationale and, and, um, and, and knowing what knowledge is and just, justified and warranted knowledge, not just um, just feeling. And so, yeah, I think um, that's kind of what my summer. That's that's how my summer will be. Is um, what it's kind of been for the last six months is taking that really seriously. I've got about I think I think about thirty books um, lined up right now. So I did did a little research on what books will are used in like Fuller Seminary and what Good. books are. Um, used elsewhere so um, I bought them all and I'm reading them all and yeah. um, that's what my summer looks like
0: well we're going to sign off the the first podcast in history where epistemology and Cleveland Cavaliers have been said in the same <laughs> one um, by the same person so we hope you have a great summer we'll check back in in, uh, in a new season season three uh, and that'll kick off football season and uh, basketball training camp will be starting pretty quickly after (laughs) that (laughs) yeah and we just hope you have a great summer we hope you get refreshed we hope that you uh, are renewed to love more deeply and uh, this is Charles Braxton signing off with Austin Charles from Chucked